Good morning. Sorry to be a little late getting started today. I invite you to bow in prayer as we begin. Lord our God, we come to you today remembering that you have given us a day of rest, a day of refreshment, a day which we will meet with you and worship and sacrament, and we are so glad for that. Pray that you would bless us today as we, um, we continue our study of the subject of evangelism. In Jesus' name, amen. Glad to call your attention to 10 Modern Evangelism Myths. This is number 9, 9 of 10. The myth that we'll cover today is that only church leaders and professionals should evangelize. Only church leaders and professionals should evangelize. I'd like to state the myth in weeks past and then invite you to Tell why you think this comes up. And so I'll do the same today. Why do you think that this idea... Oh, wow. Uh, I saw Vicky's hand first and then Abigail. Yes. Okay. So so there have been some pastors that have said that it is only for the preacher to preach. And they put all of evangelism into that basket. And so the job of the, of the lay person is to bring people to church. Um, and that uh, evangelism is then to take place by the professionals. Uh, Abigail. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. Well, I can see that as well. I've seen that. So uh, individuals that, uh, that are not ordained might, might pass that off to the one who is, quote unquote, the professional, the one who is, is trained and ordained to do that. Henry. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> Jesus was a carpenter. Well, let me give a couple of answers to this that is going to demonstrate why evangelism is actually given to, uh, to, uh, to every believer. It's given to the, uh, the congregation as a whole. And, uh, the, one of the best uh, ways that I would say that, that I would prove it would be to go to uh, the scripture itself and see how Jesus instructed the demoniac to go home and tell what great things God has done for you. And I would suggest that that's evangelism, uh, that that is uh, someone who is not ordained, is not part of the uh, discipleship, is not part of the apostleship, but has been, uh, been given by Christ a role in the uh, and the sharing of the good news of what has taken place in his own life. Another example would be the man born blind. The man born blind who uh, the, the religious leaders of the day couldn't figure out what was going on here. And, and so they went and they asked his 
parents and they came and they asked him who this was that had worked in their lives and accusing Jesus of being actually demon-possessed or casting out demons by demons and things like that. And the, uh, the man born blind testifies to what happened in his life. And I'm actually going to get into that subject and, uh, as we come, uh, come forward into our, our lesson in, in a moment and that role that we have in sharing our own testimony. But those two examples are, are wonderful ones to show that the, uh, the word of God and the gospel is carried by each one of us and that we have both the joy and the responsibility to, uh, to share the gospel with others, to evangelize. Uh, now, there is a, an official role that is given to those who are ordained to the office. We would turn to Romans chapter 10 as a for instance of that, that the gospel is officially carried and proclaimed in the preaching ministry of the word, and that preaching is done by those who are called and ordained to do that. Uh, so there is a, an official capacity for that to take place. And we would see in... Uh, in Paul's letter to Timothy, that there is, uh, that God has given gifts to men. Some are, are pastors, some elders, some teachers, some evangelists, uh, so that there are, are specific callings and ordinations for, uh, for certain tasks and, and certain roles. But that doesn't mean that, that you have, have no responsibility and no opportunity uh, to, to share the good news. I want to go on to talk about our testimony and that being a tool in our tool belt, so to speak. But let me pause there and ask if you have questions that you would like to ask about uh, the fact that there is responsibility and opportunity for, for everyone. Dave. Yes. Yeah, so just for the tape or for the recording, what Paul says of the officers that God has ordained, that, that part of the role of the officers is the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Uh, and there is, he goes on to describe every part of the body doing its role so that the whole body is knit together and, uh, and does its work. Meg. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to use that as a segue into talking about how sharing our own testimony can be part of evangelism because that aspect is, I think, one of the benefits of, of, of learning to share your testimony and, and 
how that can be a tool in the work of evangelism because you are meeting people in the midst of your life, people that see you and know you and have an opportunity to observe you. And they can see the gospel influence on your life, not just on Sunday, but throughout the entirety of the week. In fact, they may see you more than they will ever see me. And they may see you uh, having never seen me. And they may hear the gospel from you and uh, where they might not, ever, might not ever talk to me. So to talk about your testimony, um, I'm going to lean here on some of John Leonard's writing on this subject in his book, Get Real. And I'm reminded that, uh, of some of the really good ways that he describes the entirety of the work of evangelism. And I've called attention to this book before, but I liked him on this chapter as well. Uh, and as he, as he talks about it, um, he talks about it as, as really a remarkable tool in the practice of evangelism. And you can see it in a number of situations that I've already called attention to this morning. I think of the demoniac who is sent home or the man born blind and the, uh, the way they both testify to what God has done in their life. Uh, you might also think of the conversion of Cornelius. I want you to think there about uh, not the role, not just the role of Peter and coming to bring the message of Jesus Christ. But I want you to think about the role of Cornelius. In the account of Cornelius' conversion, what, what was happening with Cornelius, and what did he do uh, to, to further or to evangelize, so to speak? Yeah, Liz. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he gathered those around him where, where he had loved ones, where it was his household, uh, people where he had influence because God was getting his attention about something here. And in the midst of all of that, he wanted them to hear what God had to say as well. And so that aspect of Peter coming and preaching Jesus Christ is, might lean into this idea, it's only for the professionals, but it misses the point of what Cornelius did in gathering those around him to come and to, and to hear that, that good news. And, uh, Cornelius was an agent of that good news in doing that. So thinking about some of the values then of your own personal uh, testimonies, there are, are three that I want to call attention to that, uh, that rise up out of some of these passages. So the, the first one is that in the sharing of that good news, there's something of a... Uh, the, uh, power of your testimony from someone who 
who is known and maybe trusted in a community that, uh, that causes others to believe in Christ and that brings home a certain aspect of the spiritual reality of what has happened in their life as they come and, and share that individually with you. And uh, John Leonard uses the term, the power of telling your story, and I know that the word story has been used in a variety of different ways. For my purpose today, I want you to, to think of it narrowly as, as the idea of your story, of what's, what's happening in your life that has brought you to, uh, to Jesus Christ. So uh, if you would like to uh, f- uh, follow along, I'm going to read several passages that are descriptive of this. I'm going to read John 4, 34 to begin with. 4, 39. Look up at the start of the chapter. You'll see that this is about the woman at the well. Once more, we will see, well, well there's Jesus evangelizing, Jesus sharing the gospel. And, and yes, he is doing that. But as he confronts her with the gospel and shows her the way of of everlasting life, I want to remind you of what happens next, and that's described in verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. When the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. So there is very definitely a confrontation with Jesus Christ, that idea that evangelism is to bring individuals to meet with him and to to hear of our own condition and the offer of the gospel. But... Uh, You you should also see the role of the Samaritan woman here as she goes and and describes to them this Jesus whom she has has met. And uh, the the text here uh, puts it in a way that that describes it as as not just that they, they trusted what she was saying, and so came to hear Jesus, but uh, it says that, uh, that they uh, believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. So there is a very, very instrumental role that God used in this Samaritan woman uh, to take the good news to those in the Samaritan city. Also call attention to uh, Acts chapter 4. This is after Peter and John have been arrested and they are brought in front of the Sanhedrin and are questioned and asked about what's what's the meaning of all of this. And here... We've noted before that the transformation that takes place of common fishermen to now stand in the presence of the leadership of the Jewish nation and to tell them about Jesus Christ. 
And in verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, they realized that they had been with Jesus. It says later that many of the, uh, of the priests became followers of Jesus Christ as well. So Peter and John are, 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 are testifying to what had happened in their life and their eyewitness accounts of the Savior Jesus Christ and the effects that that has. So there's a value in this in that it brings home the reality of that spiritual experience. And just thinking about the way, uh, the world in which we live, there is uh, kind of strategically, there's something about telling of your own experience that has uh, has a place in this world where as you hear that story, it has a, a how do you gainsay a story in a sense? Uh, this, is, this is my experience. Uh, a second value that, uh, that comes out in the sharing of your testimony is that, uh, is that, it, that it invites, invites people to, uh, to, to think of their, of their own condition. Um, so first one is kind of the main goal of, of confrontation with Jesus Christ and their own conversion and coming to him. But, but think of the, uh, the introspection that comes in the, in the lives of those that are hearing others that have been converted to Jesus Christ. That comes up in the Samaritan woman, but uh, the, the account of, of the man born blind is one that, that it's almost comical the way it plays out. As here's someone who is doomed by his blindness to, to a life of poverty and of begging and that there would be little of any advancement or leadership or anything like that or even... Uh, even knowledge uh, that uh, that could be demonstrated, and the religious leaders are dumbfounded by what Jesus has done. Uh, so, just to uh, look at that, I've referenced it, but let me read a couple verses here in John chapter nine. John nine. I'll, I'll start reading. And verse 24, so they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God, God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. And as for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. And answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. 
Now, we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one that was born blind. This man were not from God. He could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You are completely born in sins. Are you teaching us? Cast him out. It is almost humorous, isn't it? Uh, the, the, the way God used this simple testimony to the silence and to leave the, the Pharisees dumbfounded. There is something of that as you share your own experience and uh, you share your own testimony. And finally, the uh, value of promoting spiritual fellowship. That there's an aspect of testifying that deepens convictions of other Christians encourages us when we hear, hear others tell about what God is, has done in their life and is doing in their life. One of the reasons why I, I think there's a, um, there's a blessing in, in inviting missionaries to come and to share what is happening on the mission field, because it encourages us to see what God is doing there. That very same thing happens in our own midst as, uh, as you sit around the table and you say, I've got to tell you what happened to me this week and how good God was to me to help me in this situation. And the sharing of your story, the sharing of your testimony, can be an encouragement in that fashion. Back in Acts chapter 4, as a for instance, where there's a marveling over what happened as you go on down in the text, you'll find that, uh, that within, the, uh, within the family of faith, within the gathering of the believers in that, in that early, new, uh, early church, that, uh, that they found great courage. And uh, it says... In, uh, in verse 31, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke of the word of God with boldness. And now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, neither did they say uh, that any of the things he possessed was his own, and they all had things in common. With great power, the apostles gave witness the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Great grace was upon them all. So just that, that mutual encouragement of what God is doing in all of this. So ultimately, bringing glory to God and our testimony is part of that. So practically speaking, what is our testimony? And here is where I would like to call attention to Leonard's book once more because uh, by his encouragement, he is, has said that evangelism is um, it's not a one-time event. And while there is an aspect of your coming to know Christ, which is, uh, is an event, that our testimony ought to be much broader and embrace not only what God has done in the past, but 
what God is doing now. And I really like this, uh, this fresh take on sharing your testimony because it, uh, this is, this is uh, Leonard's language again too. Uh, if you tell your testimony in a way that emphasizes uh, the decision to follow after Christ alone, it places the, uh, in a sense, the, the weight of conversion on your back and on your decision rather than on the grace of God to draw you out of your sin and to draw you to himself. And, uh, and, and that's a real powerful aspect of evangelism in general, to be speaking about the grace of God that is drawing us out of our, our sin, uh, our sinful uh, life, our sinful nature, out of the death and blindness in which we were, were born. So um, there is a sense then that our story begins with our conversion and continues on as we, as we talk about what God is continuing to do in our lives. And Leonard gives the, uh, the, uh, the example of celebrating your anniversary. So in my own life, it's fun to tell the story of how Vicki and I met at Geneva College some of the things that we did together and how, uh, how stupid in love I was with her and some of the crazy things that, uh, that, uh, that we did together that, were, that led up to a proposal for marriage and uh, the twists and turns that brought us to May 11th and our saying our vows to each other. But that's not the end of that story. I'm still crazy about my wife, and I think she's crazy to be in love with me. So, uh, <laughs> Suki liked that as well. <laughs> so our love is a living story. And there continue to be lots of ups and downs. And I would, I would suggest that the love that we share now is, is, is deeper than it was even then. And that by God's goodness that we have gone through a variety of trials and gone through a variety of celebrations. And those are things that we enjoy looking back on and remembering the early days, but we also remember the, uh, the longer history that we have together. Well, your faith is a living story as well. Your faith has a lot of ups and downs. There are aspects of God's faithfulness that see you through, uh, through waywardness, uh, that see you through terrible trials, trials that you would, uh, would never have imagined that you would go through. And in 
reflecting on that, you can realize and, and reflect on the grace of God, his mercy, his faithfulness that extends in, into all of your life, even in the midst of the trials that you go through. So uh, you could say that, uh, and using Leonard's language, that traditional evangelism has only one testimony to tell, the decision to come to Christ. But in, in what he encourages, what, what I think that Scripture encourages you is to reflect on the variety of ways that God's grace is shown to you, the variety of ways that the Lord is walking with you right now in, in your trial or has seen you through a certain thing or has brought a great joy into your life. And so there, uh, there are, in a sense, a variety of testimonies that you may share with an individual. And as we have been noticing, as you listen and as you engage with other individuals, the way you tell your story can fit what that other individual is thinking about or some of the uh, things that are going on in their lives. One last passage that I'll, I'll, I'll read is Philippians 1, uh, 3 through 6. This says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can you hear that continued nature of the gospel influence that Paul is calling attention to? Can you also see some of the benefits? Paul himself is blessed by the gospel influence in the Philippians' life. It's a cause for him to remember God's goodness, to rejoice in that, to make requests with all joy because of the fellowship in the gospel that they share. With that in mind, I want you to think of your own testimony. And uh, for those of you who have, uh, have done this in the past, uh, I'm going to invite you to once again to write on one page a testimony of your faith in Jesus Christ. And to think about not only the history of what God has done to bring you to himself that may be reflected in, in uh, individuals that God used to help you understand your own sinful nature, scripture passages that the Lord used to strike you to the heart, as Peter's preaching did, or the, uh, the aspects of your desperate need that led you to cry out to him. So you can reflect on that, uh, that upbringing or the, the backstory 
but I want you to think of then the beginning of the story and to reflect on what God has been doing recently in your life that are demonstrations of God's grace through Jesus Christ to you. I'm going to invite you to do that even now. So let me, let me prime the pump a little bit by uh, sharing a portion of my own testimony. I'm going to not talk about the decision to follow after Christ, but instead I'm, I want you to know about my father and my mother. Now, most of you know that it wasn't long ago that my dad passed away. And the influence that, uh, and, my, and my mother is, has dementia and uh, no longer recognizes me. But the influence that they have had on my life remains to this day. And I think of, uh, of his death, and, I, and it reminds me of his life. It reminds me of what he said in his uh, waning years, the best is yet to come. And uh, that was a testimony that was, uh, that ministered to me in the midst of grieving his loss, knowing that he and my mom are, uh, uh, are in Christ, and by, uh, by God's grace, the Lord Jesus Christ forgiven their sins, has welcomed them into his sight. My father already, my my mother will soon follow, I'm sure. But in reflecting on that, I'm reminded that for me too, the best is yet to come. And in the grief of losing a loved one, you may find a similar mercy trusting in Jesus yourself. I'm reflecting here, not just on my decision to follow after Christ, but the gospel that is carrying me along, even today, to think of that impact of Jesus Christ in life of my family and in me. So I want to invite you to think of other aspects where the gospel of Christ has impacted you recently and its effect on your life. I'll invite you to share if you would would like to. Um, If you'd like to share something that uh, that this this idea calls to your mind. Dave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right <laughs> it's true yeah Yeah, 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 yeah. We even pray that way. We pray that as we share the gospel, that God would be preparing hearts to hear it. So that's, that's uh, often a prayer uh, of mine, sometimes when we have planned opportunities to share the gospel. So we have no idea what that other person needs to hear besides that he needs to hear of Jesus. And our part of that story is, as, you, as Dave as well said, is confirmation of the truth that Jesus is the one who forgives sins. And I'm a, a living testimony to that fact. Good. Mark. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let me piggyback on that, if I may, because 
Remember I said that sharing our testimonies is an encouragement to one another, and Mark and Susan, we have, have walked with you in this. We have learned with you, and, and your testimony is, is, an, is an impact on, on our lives. Hope that maybe uh, uh, in, the, in the near future you might tell us more about, uh, about that. Let me open it up for anyone else. So I'll take one more. Anybody else would like to share? I'm giving you some homework. I want you to think about this. I want you to, to actually put pen to paper and be intentional about reflecting not just on the beginning of your testimony, but what God is doing recently and uh, how Christ is seen in that. And um, it's the type of thing that, uh, that will help you then to be aware of that as you talk with others and uh, have the opportunity to bring that up in, in other casual settings. I'm going to close our, our time now in prayer and ask you to bow with me. Lord God, we are so richly blessed by, uh, by your love and grace. We can see it every day through, the, through the, the mercy which is new every morning to us. And Lord, as we are aware of that, I pray that, uh, that, that we would glad to share that with, uh, with others and to, to point them and to lead them to, to meet with Jesus. May you bless the, uh, the gospel that we share with others. We do pray that you would be opening hearts to hear that message and that uh, the Holy Spirit would be at work in the lives of those that we encounter day by day, that you would be drawing them to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, you're dismissed.